everyone, we're Behind the Social. Hello, today we are going to speak about alienation and loneliness in first-generation immigrant parents. And just a disclaimer, this topic we're going to speak about may be more relevant to certain folks, uh, particularly people who have parents that are immigrants or or have first-generation parents. So uh, if you are interested or relate to this topic, definitely stay tuned. But if not, that is completely fine as well. All right, Sabibs. So you're the one who kind of suggested this topic of alienation and loneliness in first-gen parents. I remember that we were I was making a running list of topics we could talk about. And when I asked you, like, this was the first, this was the first topic you immediately said. And I was impressed because it was a very specific topic. Um, But it's also something that should be spoken about. And, you know, I was wondering why that, that was the first topic that came to your head. And it makes me think, you know, is this something that you've seen a lot in your life or experienced a lot in your life? Yeah, I would say yes, that this is definitely something that holds a lot of meaning to me. And to add some context here, as you know, Talitza, I grew up in Bangladesh. Um, I grew up in a very strong community there with a lot of people around. Um, They were either members of the super tight extended family that I'm from or friends to my parents that they knew for a lifetime. Um, And my parents are incredibly social people who are always happy to host and we would have dinner guests over on the regular. Um, And during these gatherings, my parents had like-minded friends over who shared similar interests. Together, they would discuss politics, arts, culture, and just talk about their lives, you know? Um, And some days we would have like a musical gathering where my mom and others would sing and discuss Tagore's music and literature or just talk about how Bengali folklore came to be. So they really had a lot to connect on. They had a lot that they shared. And so I feel like back home for them, the community, the culture and the sense of belonging really kept them grounded. And I'm really close to my parents. So I know that it really meant a lot to them. And it was hard. It was very difficult for them to leave. But of course, they moved to um, give me and my brother a better chance at, you know, having a more higher quality education. Um, And a lot of good things definitely came out of us moving here. But then I feel like a lot of things didn't necessarily change for the better. And that really makes me wonder that coming from that environment, Like, are they ever able to fill that void that they created by moving here? And us as children, we were young. At least I was very young. I think I was able to kind of mix in. Like, it doesn't bother me anymore. Not socially. Um, I we were able to assimilate. We we found new friends, and we. a lot of things about us kind of changed, I guess, which helped us um, just kind of blend in, which makes me wonder in the greater scheme that there are thousands of parents like mine who immigrated here, who left a lot of 
togetherness and love behind if they're ever able to fill that void really all right yeah I I think I'm going to dissect some really good points you just made you made a lot of solid points right there uh one thing that immediately you said which I find completely like I I completely see is that moving at a young age can honestly sometimes be an entirely different experience than what many of our of our first generation parents experience. Because if you think about it, at a young age, you're what, you know, you can be eight years old all the way up till puberty, which is what, 13, 12 or 13 years old. That's a critical window where you learn and intake everything from your surroundings. That's also when your brain is most plastic, meaning most able to adapt to your surroundings. Think about how people even pick up, like they always say that for picking up a language, it's best if you pick it up when you are younger because it gets harder and harder to learn it as you grow older. So with your brain being most plastic, plastic, it's easier for these young immigrants to be able to pick up a different language, uh, mannerisms, social behavior. Some of us even can become like chameleons where we live, where we're able to live two different cultural lifestyles at home and even at school or with our friends. I know I personally became a chameleon myself, uh, but for <laughs> but for first generation parents, many of them, I mean, I would say the majority of them immigrate to like the United States, for instance, in their early 30s and 40s. And during that time, uh, you know, during that age, uh, most of these types of individuals already have fully developed minds, meaning they already have a, these so, this solid identity. They've already created and developed these solid ideologies that they follow and which kind of represents their identity. So with such a solid identity, moving to a new country, uh, especially like a first world country, is just a complete literal cu- cultural shock. And, you know, there's bound to be clashing that occurs. And kind of bringing that back to our topic, what the really obvious and most upfront answer to, as to why alienation and loneliness is so prevalent is because of that cultural clash. And it's not as black and white as East versus West, as you probably already know. Uh, even, you know, European countries are super different for, from, you know, United States. And, I, and I'm just for this podcast, I'm bringing up the United States a lot because Obviously, we're speaking from our experience, and I'm not sure if this uh, uh, varies for other countries, but I can honestly say practically everyone who comes from a different country experiences some level of cultural shock coming to the United States. Of course. And this is also why uh, first-generation immigrants will seek people who look like them and, you know, act like them. And when that's, and sometimes that's not even an option. Think about, uh, for instance, Asian, Asian immigrant parents who, Asian immigrant in- individuals who move to an undiverse American town. That's when these internalized emotions of sadness and loneliness just grow deeper and deeper and deeper. And another, like, another thing is coming from different culture, certain ethnic groups perceive mannerisms 
and this new country they reside in as like very different and sometimes Mm -hmm. even like rude even if that's not intended for instance like this is a very lighthearted example um but when I'm even talking to my parents I'll use like colloquial English slang or whatever so sometimes they'll ask me something and when I ask them to repeat them myself excuse me, when I ask them to repeat themselves, I'll say what? And they think that's completely rude, even though, as we know, (laughs) I'm just asking them uh, to repeat themselves. So that's a very, that's a very, very surface level example. But it just kind of goes to show that uh, with different ethnic groups, because of this cultural difference, uh, you know, Americans, for instance, can be perceived as more rude. And it kind of reinforces this divide, this divide that comes between immigrants Mm -hmm. and people who were born and raised in uh, the country they reside in. And it also places this negative connotation towards this new environment and country they live in. Absolutely, absolutely agree with everything that you just said. Um, Especially, I think, the reinforcing divide I think it's such a feedback loop you know like um I don't know do you ever feel like there are expectations that are not necessarily communicated but the expectations are there and then when the expectations are failed or something disappointing occurs it's kind of like strengthened even more Expect you mean expectations that immigrants have, or do you mean expectations that uh, people from the host country have towards immigrants? I think this applies to both cases. I think there are expectations, like for example, um, like I really like the example you shared for like you know saying what, but that's very normal American conversation. But uh, I guess like you know like from a Bengali parents narrative like it's it's really rude to say key like we don't say that to our parents in Bangla right so I guess like that like literal translation is probably what makes it seem rude to them so I think like this also probably applies on the American end where you know certain things that maybe our parents want to do is like kind of rude in the American culture so yeah Hmm. Yeah, that's okay. That's a, that's an interesting point. I would say, I would say there is a certain level of expectation mm-hmm. that both sides have, and I think that the those two sides of expectations kind of create two polarized ends right. of two strongly polarized ends, and makes it very hard to get. It makes that barrier completely, almost completely impermeable. For instance, uh, you know, my parents. Uh, have well it's hard to think of a specific example but uh, you know the immigrants might have expectations that uh, Americans will as as you were as I think you told me before like your mom had the expectation that when she was giving food and sweets to her her neighbors she was expecting more of a positive social response yeah that's a good story but actually yeah that's that that's a good story to bring up but the but on the other side uh but on the other side you know of people who live in that host country they don't necessarily 
they weren't expect they don't expect this kind of hospitality and they don't have the expectation on themselves to be to be even more social and to show even more I mean you have to show gratitude but the thing is maybe your mom was expecting them to have like a stronger positive response but because Americans aren't necessarily used to that kind of hospitality uh they carry a different expectation on how you're supposed to behave in those certain situations right right so absolutely so, like, even on a more major scale, if immigrants have the, and this is a very unfortunate thing, but sometimes immigrants might have the expectation that coming into America, it will be open doors and very easy to get a job. But that's not, like, that's honestly not true at all. If you think about it, uh, many immigrants and many first-gen, uh, first-generation parents or individuals that move to America, they start off with uh, blue collar jobs and it's very very hard to climb to the top uh, even in this capitalist America we live in so they have that expectation and it ends up hurting the immigrants have this expectation which ends up hurting them internally and make and makes them feel all these negative emotions of alienation and loneliness uh, they're like you know they're kind of like I left my country back at home and I'm struggling out here all on my own and I didn't expect it to be this hard Absolutely. this difficult you and know? I'm glad you bring that up because I think that's like one of the probably like the lesser discussed reasons of why there is loneliness because I think a lot of times especially like from Bangladesh I think people who do end up moving to the United States are leaving behind pretty good jobs because it's pretty expensive. So um, I think like coming from that, they have an expectation that America is going to be even better in that aspect, which sometimes, especially initially, it probably isn't. But actually to rewind and share the story, Talita. um, um, So my mom for last Christmas, um, she made these little gift baskets for all our neighbors with like hot chocolate and like a card and like little cookies that she baked inside it and like she wrapped them really cute and we gave them to like all the neighbors that we had around right so um our like our next door neighbor or like the the lady that's like right across from us my mom was probably expecting her to be like a little more um you know like receptive (laughs) probably a little more receptive because like in her mind this was like oh like you know I'm starting it like I'm like taking the first step and like building a friendship and like of course like we don't really celebrate Christmas so that was kind of like you know going the extra mile so um I think the lady just like kind of she said thanks. I think she, like, texted something to my mom, but she didn't really what would be expected in our culture like she or, like, in the Bengali culture. Like, she didn't really, like, take the next step of, like, building a friendship, which, I mean, I know that this isn't rude in American culture, like, at all. I think she just likes to keep to herself. I don't think she was being um, malicious in any way or, you know, anything at all. But I think my mom got a little hurt because... Um, there was probably like somewhat of an expectation for that hospitality to be like um, given back in a way. <laughs> but yeah, I I thought it was funny. I I thought it was kind of funny. But yeah, I think that story is pretty interesting, and I think that's kind of, that's the perfect example of why 
a why this divide exists and why why so many immigrant immigrant families will feel lonely is because because it's because honestly culture cultures place emphasis and expectation and value on certain things that you know the host country or the resident the excuse me the host country might not put much emphasis on and it's and it kind of goes to show that when I mean, it's almost like a lesson, and it, and it sounds sad to say, but in a way, when you're moving to this new country, it's good to kind of start as a blank slate and not have many of those expectations, because even even if it's a temporary visit, for instance, like when I studied abroad in South Africa, I... I had expectations, but I met all these different people of different cultural backgrounds. And honestly, there are many times where I was disappointed and I felt hurt and I felt lonely. And I felt like I was the only one experiencing this, but that's only because I held on to these expectations. So like moving forward, I feel like, you know, obviously I can't say much because I, I was born and raised in America, but I feel like a good starting step for not even just immigrants, but also for people who people who live in live in the host country is to not have expectations towards one another because I feel like having expectations especially on something as sensitive as culture cultural like culture is just it can sometimes be very hurtful and very influential in potentially a very negative way yeah Yeah. definitely agree um because these are things that we hold close to ourselves, you know? Um, I guess, like, I really like the point you make about coming in as a clean slate. I think that that's definitely so important. Like, probably one of the most important things is what, I mean, of course, based on my experience with moving here, um, I guess, like, since I was relatively younger when I came here, I... But I mean, also fully developed or kind of developed. I I was 15 years old, so um, I had some cultural expectations, but then I feel like it was kind of easy for me to let go of them when I figured out this is not how things work here, which I think it's not as easy for older people to let go of. Um, I think that, yeah, and I think that... um, like what you say about facing and or getting disappointed because of your expectations. I feel like that's at the heart of a cultural clash. Like that's probably by definition what that is. And yeah, to an extent that's, you know, that's not something we can help. It's going to happen no matter what. But I think the, the more you can come in with a cleaner slate, the probably the better what do you think Talitz I I also completely agree with that I think that again like you said it's inevitable for us in human nature to have expectations but you know if even you as a child like you were able because you were able to adapt and because you were able to let go of some expectations, that's why you were able to make so many friends, you know, and you were able, you know, that worriness, that worry you might've had of alienation and loneliness either just never, ever, never appeared, or maybe it has appeared for you, but it kind of diminished over time because you were able to adapt and, you know, adapt doesn't necessarily mean 
taking on that other culture. That's not what it means. It just means having more of an open mind. And I think that will just in the long run help with alienation and loneliness because when you internalize these kind of emotions from a psychological standpoint, you know, it can really lead to psychopathologies like major depressive disorder and and a really big one is general anxiety disorder. Yeah. So So an alternative way I see this topic of alienation and loneliness, and this is what I'm uh, perceiving from what I've personally seen, is that a lot of first-gen immigrants will cherry-pick what they want to isolate themselves from. For instance, you know, most don't isolate themselves to an extent where they deny being social at all. They're not incompetent. Uh, many even make, you know, companions of different backgrounds in their workplace and sometimes social social circle, too. They also even pick up some of our phrases and attitudes of the country slash culture they reside in. And this is I feel like I've seen especially towards raising children. I'll just take a personal example. You know, in a lot of Eastern countries, it's expected that once a child is financially independent or is living on their own and is married, uh, a lot of the times the parents, once they're older, will move in and live with them. But for in my personal case, my parents don't expect to live with me once I'm financially independent unless they're very sick or terminally ill. So that kind of just goes to show that they chose to adapt to uh, the adapt to this new cultural attitude towards like towards this situation. But I would say that cherry picking is more relevant towards these types of minor traits or attributes. And on the other hand, I think they tend to be more heavy on isolation, on more major themes and characteristics. And that includes themes such as marriage, religion, and an interesting one is careers. They tend to protect and preserve these ideologies, these major ideologies, to the extent where it could create really great barriers. One example I'm thinking of right off the bat as someone coming from a Muslim family is alcohol. So, you know, alcohol is so huge in American culture and alcohol is everywhere you go. It's at work events. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, if you, you know, even at restaurants, there's bars that serve alcohol. There's no way of avoiding being in environments that have alcohol. Um, I, well, avoid what I mean, no way of avoiding. I mean, there's like, it's very hard to avoid such environments, you know? And I've seen that because in Islam, alcohol is obviously forbidden. I'll see that a lot of first gen parents or immigrants will just completely avoid or completely d- dissociate from events or gatherings where alcohol is even mentioned and involved and (laughs) that that kind of creates a barricade because you know for instance my parents didn't want me going to 
this wine this wine this winery where a lot of new co-workers at Duke were supposed to meet and gather and socialize because you know it's, it's kind of just like an icebreaker event you know but they didn't want me going and I'm kind of like I'm not I, I don't personally drink myself but I'm like I'm missing out on certain experiences of socialization even with them themselves in their work events, alcohol is involved, or if their peers of peers or friends are of a different background, you know, invite invite them over for dinner. Maybe a bottle of wine will be uh will be opened, and that create that that makes them feel uncomfortable, especially when they're trying to avoid these type of events. That it that can inhibit um that can inhibit chances of creating of creating more friendships in a way and being able to adapt and and lessen your chance of being able to adapt to the many social circumstances that you will inevitably be exposed to. You know what I mean? And yeah, totally. For sure. Yeah, I completely agree. And another thing is another big thing is they cherry pick, not just with religion, but I've seen, especially predominantly in Asian culture is with careers there is this hierarchy of careers and I think it comes from a place of valuing financial stability after immigrating to a new country because that's what's put the most emphasis Mm -hmm. on that's why uh Asians are known to be a model minorities because we strive we strive we strive for the greatest careers for the greatest financial stability but in a way that also can create distance because I've seen with a lot of first gen immigrants is that they only will want to associate with others of that similar status and that you know that can obviously cause a lot of loneliness with many different other people of diverse backgrounds who have uh, blue collar jobs or lesser paying jobs but it also creates distance within inside communities for instance in bengali culture you know you have your engineers you have your doctors you have (laughs) you have yeah it's you know what exactly i'm talking about yeah you have the more religious people and you have less religious people (laughs) exactly and you have the i didn't even think about more religious and less religious people and when they Uh, choose to only identify with people who make a similar amount of um, income as them then that makes then that 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 triggers feelings of insecurity for people for those Bengali people or those people of the same race who uh same ethnicity who do not make as much money and can trigger even more feelings of loneliness because it's like hey even though we share the same ethnicity you we had that uh career hierarchy mindset and it's absolutely and even those people who don't make much money they also feel that they can't associate with people who make uh, make higher income and so that feeling yeah of and I think and loneliness sorry that uh, feeling of insecurity and loneliness just continue to develop and create what I call this term intracultural loneliness <laughs> yeah snapping fingers over here it's <laughs> accurate um and I think like uh the point you made Tilly it's about um you know, avoiding events with alcohol and that creating a barrier or, you know, within cultures, creating barriers with like stuff like social hierarchy and whatnot. And I guess like there is some individual, there is definitely an individual aspect to this. Like, I think that there, even within the Bengali culture, there are people 
who practice the religion more strictly um, than people who don't practice the religion as strictly. Like, for example, my parents, um, they don't completely refrain from drinking alcohol, even though it's not it's not allowed in our religion. Or um, I think like once I was 21, it was okay for me to do. It wasn't like I would get kicked out for it. But I think that like, see, there's like different, um, there's people who fall into different parts of this spectrum. So yeah, I think with, um, with minority communities, I think there are oftentimes, you know, this really strong urge to, um, hold on to their beliefs. And I, I guess like a lot of times it's perceived as, you know, this is why we're creating community because we want to preserve these values or like these um, parts of our identity that we have. So in, you know, I guess because of that kind of motivation, it feels suffocating a lot of times in a way to have individual identity. Like, like you can say, like, I am Muslim, but I don't do blah, blah, blah. I don't follow this and this and that. Or like, I am Bengali, but I don't do this and this and that. It's kind of hard to find that breathing space within your community, which a lot of times I feel like people often feel that they have to be them, be like an infallible version of themselves when presenting themselves in the community that they belong to. Or I don't know, like, I think that this is something that's definitely happened to me. And I feel like this is something that's definitely caused feelings of isolation because I guess in Bangladesh, I didn't, everyone obviously was Bengali. So I didn't need to like find, you know, my Bengali people because uh, I could just find any person. They would be Bengali. There would be a level of shared um, identity. But then there would also, I would also cherry pick whoever I shared my own personal values or like, you know, whoever like saw the world the way I did. And it's kind of nice to find someone else who's also Bengali or South Asian, like, you know, that same um, ethnic identity as me, but also share the same individual values as me. And I feel like because of not being able to find someone who shared the individual values as me, that probably created a little bit of frustration. And like, I I'm speaking this, this was probably me like four years ago, and like caused a little bit of um, distance like me thinking oh all brown people are like this they're all gonna judge me because I choose to dress a certain way or like choose to not do a certain thing um and I think that caused more of an isolation but that was just because you know obviously me not finding people who share uh the same thoughts that I do but I mean I've definitely like grown a lot more since then and like found people who do share the same values as me I wanted to add on to what you were saying about that especially with finding people who have those individual shared values with you I think my thing mm. is that because as I was saying earlier first-gen immigrants cherry-pick what they want to preserve and isolate themselves from so for instance 
let's just think of a community that formed that is highly religious and also it consists of people who make high income. Well, when they cherry pick, cherry pick and choose to only associate with people who are of high income um, and create this community, it in community, I in in my opinion, that's when community is not being used the way it should be used because what that's absolutely is it's isolating other people and that sense creating that kind of community where you cherry pick things that in my personal opinion you shouldn't isolate yourselves from for instance if I make high income I'm not going to isolate myself from people who don't um you know that goes with the whole hierarchy of career situation and same if I don't drink alcohol that doesn't mean I'm going to isolate because that's unrealistic and it hurts other Absolutely. people's feelings. Like, bottom line of the story mm-hmm. is that hurts other people's feelings. So when you said you couldn't find that community, that's because people try to make these specific communities based off what they cherry pick. And that just, that isolates themselves and keeps them in their little small-knit communities. And it also isolates people like you, where you're like, I can't find that community at all. I feel so lonely. And it's not even just with mm-hmm. you, but I feel like it's also with, the, you know, as we were speaking about earlier, first-gen parents. Uh, I'm sure have still been on the same boat as you. It's like, where am I supposed to go? Um, People have these certain sets of beliefs that they've established. So I think that alienation and loneliness is caused by these, these, honestly, these toxic communities that are built up over time because of these shared specific ideologies. And, you know, that's, that's just a very unfortunate thing. But, you know, that, the fact of the matter is that still really exists and it's something people need to break out of those mindsets. Yes, definitely agree. Um, And I mean, I, I think I personally, I understand where they're coming from, you know, with like having this sense of preserving community that's or preserving their own identity or who they are, not completely losing themselves but yes, about what you said, that hurts people's feelings, um, that causes a lot of isolation. So it's kind of like, you know, counterintuitive, like it, it's kind of defeating the purpose of building community. True. Um, yeah. That's a really good point because I, I, if I, if I have to make a final point because communities are built on similar things but I think that communities that are that are built when you again cherry pick very sensitive topics especially to immigrants like religion and income you know once those kinds of communities made you I don't know it it kind of defeats the purpose because you are your communities are supposed to be open and welcoming, in my opinion. Like, you want to build a greater community. You don't want to build uh, a community where the doors are completely shut. And it that's just, that's it, you know? It's only these people. So I feel like yeah. communities are meant to be for specific kinds of people. But at the same time, you know, there's always that point where it's like, well, now you're making other people feel lonely and isolated. And, and because they don't fit fit your standard, it's like, where do they fit in? And that's exactly what 
many first generation immigrants have done um, mm-hmm. is some of them have created such community, such closed door communities that others feel lonely. And even those people in communities might feel lonely, might, if not loneliness, they, they feel they probably sense that they're alienating themselves a lot from the real world. Absolutely. And I think that, um, like, to unpack a little bit here, that I guess the frustration kind of comes from looking for breathing room to be able to express your individual self while also associating you yourself with the big um, communal self, like uh, lack of a better word. But I think like, like I said, yes, I am Bengali. I'm proud of being Bengali and I love my culture, but there are things that are individual to me. Um, like, I, I guess, like, which don't always align with the shared values that they have created as, you know, a quote-unquote Bengali community in America, where, um, like, it's only, like, I don't, I feel like I often don't agree with all of those values, so it's kind of like, if we could build community but also give people the space to be their individual selves I feel like that would probably that would feel better honestly I think yeah I agree with you I think community shouldn't be something that's at your like it shouldn't be your communal self is not your only self it is a part of yourself and if people aren't allowed to have variation in in the different selves, they, excuse me, if they're not allowed to have variation in other parts and other components of their selves, then that's suffocating. And, you know, that's, and, and that, that will, that could shatter communities or it could dissociate communities, which, which is, you know, obviously not not the intended result and not 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 a good result out of it so I agree with you I yeah absolutely I think that over time if we do practice which I I'm very hopeful about the the second gen um, population I'm I feel like they're more aware of things um and they're you know sort of letting go of a lot of those judgments and such and I think if we keep making small steps in the right direction, that then we will definitely find ourselves at a much better place um, in no time. But yeah, completely agree right there. And also, um, you know, for like, I know that what we're talking about here is probably like an idealized version, like, like probably like a perfect world. And I know that no matter what, no matter how woke people get, there's going to be levels of judgments. There's going to be divide within human beings. There's going to be hierarchy, but I think there's ways to, um, you know, maybe not base things on that hierarchy of, um, income or religiosity and stuff. Um, and I think that is something that can be definitely reduced, if not mitigated.
Um, so yeah, I think, well, this is a good stopping point for us today. Thanks everyone again. We're behind the social. Tune in for our next episode. Talit, do you want to say the title? Yeah, it's Extroverts Rule Our Capitalist America. Ooh. <laughs> Fun stuff. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting, you know. It's going to be really interesting. Um, as for questions, comments, or concerns you may have, you can email us at behindthesocial2020 at gmail.com. Uh, but bye for now. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope all of you stay healthy. Bye-bye. Thank you.